Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Views on View. I am your host, Lindsay Wardell. Here with me today is Steve Edwards. Hello from Portland. Yeah, it's actually sunny here. It's weird. It is. It's cold, but it's sunny. Yeah. It's not a cold it's, because it's sunny. Yes. The special guest today is Daniel Kelly. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that will allow you to take your project to the next level. Simplify your cloud's infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Get started on Linode today with $100 in free credits for listeners of Ruby Rogues. You can find the details at linode.com slash rubyrogues. That's rubyrogues, all one word. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24-7, 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs regardless of your plan size. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 in credit on S3-compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. Visit linode.com slash rubyrogues and click on the Create Free Account button to get started. Yeah. Daniel, would you mind introducing yourself for those who aren't aware of how awesome you are? <laughs> Yeah, my name's Daniel Kelly, and I um, really invited onto this show because of a open source template that I made with Nux.js and Netlify CMS, and released that about a year ago under the name Awake. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed working with with Nux and viewing that project. A little bit about my my experience during my daytime job, I. I work with Laravel on the back end, and I work with Vue on the front end, so I don't actually get to use Nuxt at work, but I was introduced to, to Vue actually at Laracon 2016, I believe. I remember actually on the, I remember on the plane ride over there in the airport talking to somebody who was also going to ViewConf, and they were talking about these reactive JavaScript frameworks, and I was like, dude, I have no idea what you're even talking about. You know, and uh, and heard about Vue there, and I really fell in love with it ever since. It's, it's been a, a much refreshing step over just you know jQuery and and querying the DOM for everything. It's been great. Nice. What got you into programming in general? Sure. Well, I I graduated with a degree in graphic design, and I was wanting to put up a online portfolio, you know, of some of my work, and um, I didn't want some templated thing. I'm a designer, right? So so I, I got into code a little bit, worked with WordPress some, learned PHP and HTML and, and CSS that way. And eventually got a job where I work now at, at Randall Riley and worked a lot in WordPress and um, even just some some vanilla, you know, JavaScript and, and PHP and HTML. And, and then was introduced to Laravel soon after that. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of where brought me to where I am now. Very cool. Since you work with both PHP and JavaScript on a regular basis, do you have a preference in which one you like to work with? Absolutely. I enjoy JavaScript more just because I think it's more versatile. You know, I think the more I can dive into JavaScript, the more different, more context I can take my work to, right? Like I can, I can use JavaScript to build Internet of Things, you know, kind of applications, or I can use it to build a website or even, you know, mobile apps. It's just so versatile. There are some safety things, like some cushions in PHP that I like that I'm just more used to because I do have more experience with it, but it's not a versatile as versatile language. So anytime I can use JavaScript, I, I really prefer that. Of course, if Laravel, if they could just like port Laravel over to, to JavaScript, I'd be a pretty happy person too. 
because hmm. <laughs> Laravel is a lot of fun to work with for sure. Yeah, I haven't gotten a lot of experience with Laravel yet. I, I keep meaning to. I started my programming journey with PHP. Okay. And I, I just haven't found the reason to to dive into Laravel. It looks amazing to work with. The concept of models is really, really simple to work with. And in fact, in several of the projects I'm working on at work right now, I've kind of ported that same idea of models over to the JavaScript side of things. And I really enjoyed working that way. So for instance, if there is a, you know, let's talk in blog terms, perhaps, if there's a, you know, a post in the database, you have a post table, and then in Laravel, you would have a post model. Uh, what I like to do is actually, I have a, a base model in my JavaScript code, and then I can create models off of that base model, such as a post. And then in order to save a post from JavaScript, what I would do is I would, you know, type something like post save, and under the hood, that just makes a an Ajax call. And so it really kind of cleans up my code. I don't have Ajax calls littered all over the place, and I have something that's a little bit more semantic to read, and it's, it's really pretty nice. So that so the concept of... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that concept of models is, has really been worked well for me. So that's eloquent, am I correct? That's, that's correct. Cool. That's eloquent, yes. So to me, it reminds me of Mongoose and Node.js, sort of the same idea where you're modeling your, your database. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar? Have you worked with Mongoose or Node? I haven't worked with Mongoose, no. Okay, so yeah, I did. My, my extent, <laughs> the extent of my experience with that is a book I went through on the mean stack years ago and doing uh, MongoD, Mongo University's Mongo for Node Developers course a few years ago, but it sounds like the same thing. So it's uh, seems like a common paradigm, at least for connecting to your database and, and modeling your data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the kind of slightly different thing about this approach is like the models on the PHP side, that's exactly what it's doing. It's just, you know, modeling the database on the, the JavaScript side and really reflecting what PHP is doing. But it's it's not about interacting with the database per se, but it's interacting with the you know, with the HTTP API. So that the PHP still has to be set up to kind of accept, you know, what the JavaScript is sending. But as long as it's set up, you know, in a standard way for all your different resources, for all your different models or whatever, um, it works pretty good. So now what kind of, uh, what database are you using for your data store on the back end? Uh, we use MySQL. Well, I think it's actually MariaDB, but yeah. It's SQL, yeah. Okay, as compared to a, a document database or, you know, a NoSQL like Mongo. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. The now now the the Nux template, the Awake template, uh, doesn't use any database at all. It is purely static files. Okay. Let's dive into the Awake template. What? So for those who have not seen the the ViewConf talk back in March, there is a talk, and there will be a link in the show notes. You should go watch it. But would you mind describing what the Awake template is and kind of what inspired you to create that? Sure. The Awake template is a it's a template for a statically generated site. So your insight is is static files. It's just flat HTML files. And it's built in, in Nux.js. And what inspired me to create that was um, actually at ViewConf, I guess in 2019, I heard a talk on Nux.js, I believe from you know one of the Nux.js core team members. I don't remember who it was, but I was really inspired by uh, the workflow there because I... I'm already so comfortable with Vue, but then being able to kind of it provide a framework for the entire application was really intriguing to me. And so 
as as I mentioned earlier, you know, PHP is kind of my server side forte there, and I don't have a lot of experience with Node.js on the server side, and so I decided to play with it, play with Nux as a static site generator, and it turned out to work really well with both Netlify CMS and Netlify's hosting platform, which probably a, a lot of people are familiar with. So I can I can write in the code that I'm comfortable with. That is Vue. I can write in Vue. And then with a push to my GitHub repo, I can, you know, have Netlify automatically deploy my site. And then with Netlify CMS, I don't even have to be a technical user. I can have a, you know, pretty dashboard kind of thing that a lot of people are used to using in the browser itself to push new content to my repo and Netlify will automatically rebuild my site. And, and yeah, it works great. So to get started with this, it looks like I'm looking at your GitHub repo. So it's basically a whole next site. It's not just like a, a theme. So basically you would clone this and run your NPM install and in theory have a full site up and running. Is that correct? That is correct. Brilliant. Sorry, that's my <laughs> famous favorite Guinness commercial. So then I'm assuming, I noticed you've got, I think you had monster commit here called long needed updates about eight months ago. That So Looks like you just keep it updated. I'm assuming you keep it updated with current versions of Vue and some of the other dependencies, or is that incumbent upon the owner once it's downloaded? That's mostly up to the owner. I've made a few updates to it since its inception, and there's been several pull requests and feature ads since I, I put it out. I really would like to update it eventually to use the Nuxt content module because that module is just excellent and provides a lot of things out of the box that I kind of had to do manually with this, this awake template. But the, the, the content module, I would eventually like to add that in just because it does a lot of things under the hood that you don't have to think about. So you have some stuff under content categories and posts. You're not using the next content to do that? You're jumping through some other hoops then? That's correct. Yep. This was before next uh, content came out. And um, so I'm basically, I think I'm using uh, some kind of YAML package, YAML markdown, gray matter, whatever it's called these days, to just read those static markdown files and then in, inject them into my VueX store and, and read them from there. Oh, is that the markdown IT def list and footnote and sub? And yep, it, yep. It uses, it uses that, that gray matter package to actually read like the YAML, but when it gets to the actual markdown, I use the markdown it package to, right. to okay. parse the markdown. Yep. Okay, I see. We've got Vueify, so is this Bulma for the theming? It is Bulma. Most of it's Bulma pretty out of the box. Uh-huh. Not a whole lot of, of customization there, but it, it made it made things move quickly for sure. So what requires React? Okay, interesting question for sure. So React is what Netlify CMS is built with. And so in order to interact with Netlify CMS, I had to add to install React for some very minimal interactions. I'm trying to think. The open source version, actually, I'm really not sure. Sh- I can't remember why I would install uh, React with the open source version. I know with the premium version, which hasn't been released yet, and I I've really need to, needed to find time to work on it, but uh, I had to install React in order to get site previews to work. So in Netlify CMS, you have your CMS window. Like on the left-hand side, you have your inputs for content and things like that. But on the right-hand side, you can actually preview the site live. And so at least in the premium version, I had to basically take the, you know, take the input, the content that they're typing from Netlify CMS using some React code 
pull it out of there and and live put it inside the page itself so you can preview it. Um, so I now I've in the past when I've been looking at you know all the different CMSs, have the CMSs to use with Vue or Next. I've looked at Netlify CMS. I haven't really played it. Can you talk about the CMS and how it works? If I understand correctly, it's it's basically committing. It's it's using static static files, right? That's what your content is, and it's putting it inside a repo, and it handles all that for you, but gives you a UI for editing your content and modeling and so on. That's correct. Yeah, that's the gist of it. The the big plus for me, well, several things. One, it's as the install is as easy as a script tag put on your page, and then a uh, YAML file that kind of defines what they call collections. So it defines kind of how your resources should look and what fields. Uh, they should have. For instance, in the awake template, there is a posts resource and or a post collection. And uh, in my YAML, there is a there's a key for that for posts. And I just have to describe what kind of fields post takes, such as author and you know post body or content or you know things like that. And so that's just all that's all defined in a static file. Like it's not some WordPress type kind of thing where you actually have to get into PHP and add an input or something like that. It's, it's just a YAML file. And so it's really nice to work with. So it installs with a simple script tag. Uh, the configuration is really simple. And as you said, it stores your content in markdown files. And this provides a couple different benefits. It means that your, your content is actually versioned with zero work on your part, right? If you've ever, you know, worked with content in a database and you want to do versioning, like that's something you actually have to think about. But not so with Netlify CMS. It's just everything is stored in the Git repo. And so it's automatically versioned out of the box. You can roll back your content at any time. It also means, at least on on Netlify's hosting, and I'm sure other hosting providers can do this as well, it means that I can add content into a separate branch and I can actually have Netlify deploy that on a preview site. And I can kind of look at my content and have it edited or, you know, QA'd, and I'm not affecting my live site at all. And uh, that's something, once again, that you, you barely even have to think about because it's all in Git. And the other part of that is, the other good part about having your content actually stored in Git is that you don't have to deal with a database. There's no, you know, there's just no other service to, to mess with. You don't have to worry about, you know, are my database connections correct? Is my database running? Is it available? Um, all these different things you have to think about uh, with a, a lot of typical, typical stacks. And then probably the last thing that's really great about having the content be in the repo is, especially for open source projects, this means people can contribute to your content in a way they're, that they're used to. They can make a pull request, you know, to your repo and update help docs. If it's if it's help docs, they can update, you know, blog post content, whatever whatever it is you have in your content, right? And it just makes it really simple. So with Netlify CMS, is there a, a URL that people can access on your website? Like they have to sign in in order to, to make changes or do you need the repo local and then you access a UI by running some command in NPM? I gotcha. So... You can just go to a URL in the browser and that URL is completely customizable. It just depends on where you include the script tag. So for instance, on the awake template, I have a, you just in, just like in your typical Nuxt application, there is a 
there's a pages directory and then there is a admin.u file. And in that file, I have a link, script tag link to the Netlify CMS. And so it's completely customizable where you can access that. Now, if you want to run it on your local system, you can do that as well. Netlify actually provides a, a command and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but allows you to, so let me backtrack just a little. So any time you hit save in Netlify CMS by default, whether you're on your local environment or whether you're on your live production environment, it's going to use the repo that it was set up with. And that's going to be your, your, you know, your production repo. And so even if I'm on my local environment, the local host 3000 slash admin, and I make a change, it's actually going to change my content. It's going to make a commit in the repo and that'll trigger a change in my live site. But there is also a little command that Netlify provides to where it won't actually make the commit to your actual repo. It'll just do a little local file change. And that makes uh, local development really simple as well. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is whether or not it automatically made a change in a commit just for saving a change in the CMS. Because that I could see that being sort of problematic. Yep, for sure. And uh, I believe you can also do, um, uh, you can save as draft. So, you know, in your interface, you can hit save or you can do, or you can hit publish or save as draft. And the draft will just commit it to a, another branch. It will it will create a new branch for you and, and uh, commit it there. So, so everything on my live site, everything on Awake Plus, or everything on Awake is um, based off of the master branch. Anything that's not in the master branch doesn't see the live site. So if all of the, the saves are going back to GitHub, do all of your users need to have a GitHub account? I see, I, I went to the uh, admin login page for the Awake template, and I see login with Netlify identity, which is also an excellent service by Netlify. Does, does that account need to be tied in with GitHub? in order to work? Or can I, for example, give this to a client who knows nothing about GitHub and just let them have at it? You can give it to a client and let them have at it. The, okay, I'm uh, sold. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's really great. And uh, this is, you know, I, of course, they take no credit for this whatsoever. This is all Netlify. Netlify CMS is, um, it's just an amazing thing. Um, they, the, of course, you know, the, the user that um, is in Netlify and has the Netlify account and the hosting and all that, um, they have to have the GitHub account. But just to be a user in the CMS itself, no, you do not have to have a GitHub account. Is it tied specifically to GitHub or could you use GitLab or Bitbucket or another source code provider? I believe they support others as well. The, GitHub has the most options available, um, but uh, they do support uh, GitLab and Bitbucket as well. So just just to recap in my mind, because I'm I'm coming at this from, I have a client who needs a website and they need to be able to add and manipulate the content themselves. I am a Vue developer. I like working in Vue. I don't want to have to think about servers and database. So I will create a Nuxt site. I can integrate Netlify Identity and give access to the client so that they can manipulate all of the data. And from their perspective, all they're doing is signing into their site and changing their content. And that it just works at that point. I mean, obviously exactly all the work right. has to be done on the developer side, but it just works. It's a beautiful thing, yeah. That is amazing. Okay, so now you said the CMS is this script tag. So they can access, the CMS is really hosted on Netlify then, the UI, and you're just, how does that work? It's not like, I thought you were installing it on your local machine, unless I totally misunderstood that. 
It is. It's it's a script tag, I believe. It's you know, I think it's a link from a CDN somewhere, but it's it's all in JavaScript and the JavaScript through Netlify identity. I'm a little hazy on how the Netlify identity stuff works. Auth is kind of a black box to me in a lot of ways. Um, you and many, many other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it just it speaks directly from JavaScript through the identity to your GitHub repo. So excellent. Are you stuck in your software development career? trying to figure out how to move to the next stage? Let me help. I'm starting a program to help developers move up in their careers using proven techniques and by starting a podcast in order to advance. Right now, I'm only scheduling calls to see where you're at, where you want to go, and how we can get you there. There's no sales involved, and you can schedule that call at devchat.tv slash next level. So how is it in terms of content editing itself? And there's the reason I ask this is that in terms of like a WYSIWYG or rich text editing or, or stuff like that, because it's all in Markdown. But I know there are Markdown editors. And the reason I ask is that I've been using another CMS and, and I won't name them here. I've used them on our previous project and I was tempting to use them for another Nuxt project blog. And part one of the important parts of this one is that I would be using a lot of block quoting because I'm writing about you know things that other people have written and so on. And the editor does not support a block quote. I think the block quote has been around since approximately Tim Berners-Lee era. I could be wrong. It's been around for a long time. But their text editor didn't support it. And you have to jump through all kinds of hoops just to use it. Couldn't believe it. So anyway, just from a general standpoint, how is the the content editing experience in in Netlify? I don't think it's grade A. I think it's good though. It's it's very good. There's a little work to be done uh, UI wise, especially when it comes to. So one of the things I've been trying to do when I have the time and the premium version of the template is to really kind of make it not just kind of like an editor, but even a page builder to where you can you know add things like buttons and and columns and and things like that. And when you get into that, it gets kind of tricky and the UI is not great. But especially just for like, you know, a blog post where you're writing text with headings and, you know, block quotes and paragraphs and things like that. It's really, it's pretty, pretty well done. Like I said, I I don't, I wouldn't call it top notch, grade A, but it gets the job done and it it works well. It's, it's interfaces that clients are probably used to, right? It's your typical kind of like WordPress looking WYSIWYG editor and, you know, normal text fields and things like that for, for other inputs. But you can also even, their WYSIWYG editor provides a toggle to be able to edit the markdown directly as well, which is really handy for me as a developer. I like to be able to do that sometimes. Is the um, Netlify CMS interface extensible so that you could customize it to be able to be like, add a button here, or add a thing here, whatever component, special components you have? Obviously, it wouldn't be able to render the view as easily if it's built using React, but maybe there's some flexibility in there? There is some flexibility. You can add new input types. I think they call them widgets. And so like for your your you know your post title, um, when you're setting up your your YAML that I mentioned earlier to kind of configure what your different collections look like. For instance, in awake, the title is just a text field, but I could I could create a custom widget type and it could be, you know, title text. And maybe that includes some kind of, you know, some kind of, some kind of special UI just for the title, right? So you can customize that. You can also customize not only widgets, but what they call editor components, I believe. 
And that is components that are actually nested inside of your WYSIWYG editor. So you can do text and all that stuff, but you can also, inside the WYSIWYG editor, it kind of comes up like a little collapsible box that when you open it up, it has whatever you want in it. And so inside your WYSIWYG, you can nest these other widgets inside of your inside of your content. And you can create as many of those customs as you want. It's it's a little little finicky in my experience. And maybe I'm just not the best at regex um, because it uses regex a lot to kind of uh, pull pull out what is a widget from your markdown. But uh, it's it's very flexible. Okay. So it, it's good to know because obviously not every client needs just the basic WordPress-like just normal input. It'd be good to be able to make changes as needed. Yep, absolutely. Speaking of extensions, let's move on from Netlify CMS. In in your in your talk, you were discussing some of the extensions to Nuxt to make a fully fledged blogging site. Some of the ones that you were using. Would you mind talking about some of that? Yes, I uh, one of the one of the modules I used was a wrapper around uh, an image an image optimization plugin. And uh, that was really handy. So my all my images are stored in the GitHub repo. And what I do at build time is take those images and the, the module does it for me. I really don't even have to think about it. They're, they are um, generated at different sizes and source sets are automatically created. And so that all my images on the site are, are fully optimized. There, there's a catch there. It does mean that my build times are can build up unnecessarily because uh, I really haven't found a way yet to make sure I'm only rebuilding new new things. It rebuilds the entire site every time. And so I'm regenerating those optimized images every time. But it means that I can have a good user experience on the end with optimized images. I'm also using a, a view library from a fellow named Marcus. And I don't think I'm going to attempt his last name because I'll butcher it. But it's a really great library. And uh, what it allows me to do is it allows me to only hydrate certain pieces in, in Nux. And so that helps to speed up page load times as well. So uh, by default, Nux just rehydrates everything. So JavaScript is, uh, you know, injected into the page and, and uh, provides that behavior on the, on the client side. But a lot of things like static content don't need that, right? And so it's just some unneeded overhead to include the JavaScript for that on the client side when it's not needed. And so what this library allows me to do, it allows me to wrap, allows me to wrap certain pieces of my of my code, just basically elements. It's it's a view component, right? So it allows me to wrap certain elements in a lazy hydrate tag. And I can say hydrate never, or I can say you know, hydrate only when it's in view in the viewport. I can say hydrated on this specific event or, or whatever. And it just allows me to only load in JavaScript when it's necessary. And that was one of my big, one of my big goals with this, uh, with this build was to make it as, make it as optimized as possible in terms of speed. What was the, the name of the library for that Marcus wrote? It's called Lazy Hydrate. Lazy Hydrate. Okay. Yeah. Is that Oberliner or something like that? Or That's that? correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I tried to pronounce his name at the conference itself, and I'm afraid I butchered it, so I didn't want to attempt again. Oberliner, uh, I'm guessing, if he's German. Yeah, okay. Is that a um, Nux-specific component, or is that for Vue in general? It's for Vue in general. Okay. 
Yeah, I've got up my package.json now, kind of running through it, see what else is going on there. So also used a just a view component called view discuss, and that powers the component or the uh, comment section. Yeah, I've used that myself too. So it's just a nice little wrap around the the uh, discuss JavaScript library, I think. Yep, super simple, super simple. Let's see. Yeah, I think those are probably probably the highlights there. Yeah, one of my favorite things about Nuxt in general is just how much you can extend it and tweak it to make it exactly how you need. Absolutely. And and there's really even a lot of things that have been put out by community members and and the Nuxt teams, you know, team themselves since I initially created the await template a year, year and a half ago, whatever it was. And there's a lot of things on here that could be accomplished with pre-built packages. Mm -hmm. For sure. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Are there any other points that you would like to discuss as far as either developing Awake or using Nuxt in general? Just any tips that you'd like to share? I think I think probably one one tip for using Nuxt is always be aware of your context. Because especially coming from the PHP background, it can be a little confusing sometimes what's happening on the server side, or in my case, in the you know, in the build part of things and what's happening in the client itself. And because you're working in JavaScript the entire time, you really just got to make sure you're aware of the context you're in when you're when you're doing things. Because sometimes things like window aren't available, and of course you try to avoid that anyway. But then there, you know, there are times where maybe you're, you know, maybe you've got some kind of API key or something that you're you're needing to use. You know, you need to make sure that's not available in the client, but it's, it just happened at the build time. So that's that's one thing that I've stumbled across that can be a little tricky. Also. I think just otherwise working with Nuts is a pleasure. It's view, so it makes me happy. <laughs> so I got a question for you guys, and this is something I've been thinking about. You know, I came from, you know, my PhD experience started in the Drupal world. And one of the things I thought about, you know, when I'm going through and building a view, you know, an app or a Nux site or, you know, whatever particular project is, is as a more of a backend person who's trying to learn you know, the front end in terms of theming and getting it to look right, your CSS and HTML and grid and Flexbox and so on and so forth. One of the nice things that, that Drupal has and that WordPress has and even Gatsby has, although I think it's maybe a little different, is, is the concept of themes. Hugo has the same thing. I was playing around with Hugo a couple of weeks ago, you know, trying to maybe look at a different tool just that was real simple. And it's got themes that you can download and plug in and it handles all of your display for you. So I know in, you know, with Vue, with your single file contents where you have your CSS and your JavaScript and your HTML all in one file, at least that's how most people do it, I believe. It might be a little more difficult, but to me, that would be just a huge, huge addition to be able to have some sort of separate themes, you know, uh, that you could just download and plug into a Nuxt site or a Vue site. What are your guys' thoughts on, on that? Is that something you've uh, thought about before or am I... The only one who's been thinking about that. I think it sounds great. I I think you know obviously you gotta you gotta have some standards there around what your you know what your markup looks like and things like that. But I think it's certainly certainly doable. I I'm trying to think if there's anything out in the next world right now that uh, that kind of handles some of that. I can't I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I can't either. And I've looked around. I can't either. I've looked around, you know, if you Google something like Nuxt themes, you'll come up with Awake for one. There's maybe, two, <laughs> you know, a couple other ones, but 
generally the way they are packaged as is as an entire Nuxt install with the, your design elements incorporated into it instead of just you know the default Nuxt that comes with the main page and the empty about page. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going, great, Steve, if you want to lead the charge, go for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Patch is welcome. You know, trust me, I'd love to do that. But uh, I'm just curious. It's just something I thought about a lot. And like I said, you see it in a number of other tools, whether they're full on CMSs or just front ends, like, you know, something like Hugo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there's others out there that have, you know, pluggable themes as well. But anyway, I, I, is- I wish I could remember the site name. But I, I know I've seen at least one uh, provider that they've built several different quote unquote themes, you know, basically the appearance of the site, but they've, they've ported them into several different static site generators, you know, things like Nuxt and... Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It, it's, Let it's, me know about that when you find out. Okay, for sure. I'll have to look that up and, and shoot it to you for sure. Because it looks interesting. You could very quickly, I think, change between, you know, the kind of site generator you want without changing the look of your site. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot. I mean, anytime you're using a site generator, there's been a lot of, there's a lot going on underneath, you know, that, that people don't see your, your language. Are you using Ruby? Are you using Nuxt, Vue, you know, whatever on your backend. So that might be a little harder. I know I was just looking at the Gatsby page for Gatsby themes, and there's a lot of configuration that they wrap up in there well, as well, and not just necessarily display elements, but yeah, it seems to me you could do some sort of, you know, have some sort of external files for your content and then have a way to import them into your signal file components or I'm sure there's a way. I know, I know one thing I hear a lot of people talk about, and this sort of falls along the same lines that would be nice in browsers is HTML includes. I know I heard on syntax they've mentioned that here recently. I like that. Well. So yeah, that's sort of the same idea, you know, where you have one, if you have an HTML header and you're just in an HTML site and you want to use that header as it is now, you just got to, unless you're using PHP or some sort of other language to import it, you can't just include it. And that's something that people have wanted. And this sort of seems along the same lines, considering how the single file components are structured. But anyway. and when you're when, when you're saying a theme, Steve, are you meaning like, I'm, I'm trying to imagine WordPress where I can go into a config panel and say, I want two column layout or three column layout. Are you wanting that level or more like... No, not necessarily I'm using I'm using my basic structure has a hero image and then some blog posts and then a footer. And then I can just switch out how that entire thing looks and potentially functions. So not just CSS, but JavaScript as well. But it keeps no. that same basic layout of hero, blog posts, footer. No, 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 no. Not necessarily a drag and drop where you can structure because that's a lot of work. Drupal used to use it. It's called uh, it was called panels when it first came in back in Drupal five, and now they use something called form builder in Drupal eight. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of complexity. I'm thinking more of a pre built design. You know, like you know, for Awake, you know, that's got a whole pre built design with the, uh, you know, it's got the the header across the top, and you got your six elements or however many you've got in your CMS on the front, you know, you've got your specific colors and layout and fonts and, you know, all the design elements um, Mm -hmm. that you can just plug in and then plug your content into those elements or, you know, obviously then tweak it to however you want. So not so much, you know, a WYSIWYG type drag and drop. I want this element here and here. It's already pre-built for you, but you can just plug it in and then just plug in your data. Got it. That seems very interesting. We'll have to uh, explore and see if anyone's done that. Yeah, to me, it seems like a cool idea. I just have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's my uh, 
contribution for the day. <laughs> awesome. So you mentioned the uh, HTML includes, and that just that sparked in my head. Did, did, did either one of you uh, use? Uh, I think it was called CodeKit back in the day. Do you remember that? CodeKit. Now that's not ringing a bell. It was like a it was like a GUI for for like a build stage of stuff. So so essentially, you have your build tools like you know SAS compilation and JavaScript uh, bundling and things like that. So CodeKit before npm was probably still popular back then too but i didn't use it codekit allowed you to kind of do those things in a user interface and one of the things that it allowed you to do was provide these special html comments that were essentially includes but it you know at build time it would concatenate the files together or whatever that just reminded me of that yeah we you know we do all the same kind of things just using you know the terminal and build tools now but Webpack, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Just a little nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. This has been excellent. Or as and Bill and Ted would say, as Bill and Ted would say, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna have to go and uh, try out Netlify CMS now because yeah, me too. That sounds exactly like what I was wanting. Definitely um, do. I the the one thing I would say is using using Nux content and just writing plain old markdown in my IDE as a developer is even more pleasurable to me than, than necessarily Netlify CMS. But if you want, you know, if you want this thing accessible by a client, someone who is non-tech, you know, savvy, uh, Netlify CMS is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Up until now, my, my, I've been having my client use forestry.io for the same benefit of it being markdown and writes back to Git, GitHub. But if it could just be as part of the site, I feel like that would be a lot more pleasant to use for the client. You know, I, I really wish that there was a, I really wish there was a, a view, view powered Netlify CMS. Like I wish there was a counterpart to Netlify CMS that did all the same things Netlify CMS did, but they, but their code base was, was view and then interacting with it. I wouldn't have to do some kind of weird things to like make React talk to view. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah. If somebody was out there, if 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 you're looking for an idea, build build <laughs> Netlify CMS with you. I'll give you a hug. All right, we've got two new project ideas: the the net, the Nuxt themes and a Netlify CMS competitor using Vue. Anyone wants to do it, let us know. <laughs> awesome. Hey, folks! If you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. At this point, we'll move into picks. Picks are the part of the show where we share things with you that we like. They don't need to be tech-related. Just think they are pretty great. So we will start with Steve. Uh, Steve, do you have a pick for us today? Sure. I'll go with the funny this week. So... Earlier this week, I was listening to another sort of well-known tech podcast, and the phrase nerd stamping came up. And it basically means, uh, the way they're talking about it is, you know, you're focused on some topic and some other topic will come up and someone will bring it up because they know it really interests you or it's really interesting. And so you get totally distracted. <laughs> and that's what you're working on because, you know, it's, it's just all enveloping. And that reminded me of... I think probably my first or second favorite XKCD comic called Nerd Sniping. It's XKCD <laughs> number 356. 
I'll put the link and I'm especially one for the physical type of humor. So this one is always cracks me up every time I watch, I read it. So anyway, I'll put the link in there, but yeah, XKC number three, five, six. Awesome. Huge fan of XKCD. Daniel, I will let you go last. So I will go next. I have two picks today, I think. I had to. Where'd it go? I guess I just have one. So I have been on the side for fun. I've been exploring mobile game development and trying to figure out the the best way to do that. I, I recently purchased an iPhone 12 mini. So I'm finally on the Apple side of things. I inherited an old iMac and I was like, hey, I wanna I wanna write games. And what's the best way to do this? And then after doing some research, I've found, I don't know if this is the best way yet, but it is a way and I'm enjoying it. A game engine called Flame is at flameengine.org. So if you're creating RPGs or or single person shooters, that gives new definition to the meaning Flame Wars, doesn't it? There you go, Flame Wars. (laughs) So the Flame Engine is built using... (laughs) I liked it, Steve. (laughs) Thumbs up. The Flame Engine is built using Flutter. So you're using the Dart language and the Flutter mobile framework to develop the game. For those who aren't aware, Flutter is basically using a 2D canvas to paint components on anyway. So it's not a huge stretch to, instead of painting mobile app components like tables and dropdowns and whatever, to just painting graphics that you can interact with. So the Flame Engine gives you all of that functionality. And then I have been following a tutorial, and I will put the link in as well, for making mobile games using Flutter and Flame. And it walks you through the basics of getting set up with Flutter, creating your first basic interaction with Flame. And then I'm on part two right now, and we're building a game where you're squashing flies with your finger. So it you've That's rendered great. the graphic, it's animating, there's background. Um, looks like later you're going to get into different types of enemies, so it'll it'll generate different stuff. It's an object-oriented language. If, if you haven't used Dart, Dart is a great language. If you're comfortable with JavaScript, you'll be comfortable with it. If you're comfortable with C-sharp or Java, you'll probably be comfortable with it too. Um, it takes a lot of inspiration from current languages that are out there to make something that's accessible to a number of developers. So if you want to explore game development, I recommend checking that out. Daniel, what is your pick today? I think pick pick number one for me is going to be completely non-developer related, but I've really enjoyed the Libby app for quite a little while now since this whole COVID thing really started. It's been a really great way to go to the library without going to the library. Um, and uh, I'll put a link in here. So uh, for those who are unfamiliar with it, if if you have a library card, at least in my location, I can I can download the Libby app, put in my library card number, and I can check out books right on my phone. Some of them you read, you know, on the screen. Uh, some of them are audio books, and so they're really great for going on a run or walking a dog or you know working in the basement. Just have a, a audio book going while I'm I'm doing life, and it's it's been really great. Um, it's completely free, and I've been listening to a lot of. Preston Child and, and um, or excuse me, Lincoln Child and Preston Scott, I believe is his name. Uh, it's a series called the Pendergast novels and it's, it's uh, murder mysteries. They're, they're really great. And of course you can listen to fiction, nonfiction, just about anything you can get at a library you can find on here. It's been a lot of fun. I guess I have to probably say something developer 
friendly as well. And uh, so my next pick, and it's just not just because it's developer friendly, but it's really a, a thing that's helped sped up a lot of my view development. And that is a library called View Formulate. And uh, View Formulate is a just a way to do form fields and, and forms in view. One of the things one of the things I really like about it is it standardizes the way you interact with inputs. So the browser native select is nothing like, you know, an input. It's a totally different tag. It has options that you nest inside of it, right? So it looks nothing like a, a regular input, but with view formulate, all inputs have essentially the same API that you're interacting with. A select is no longer a select with options nested inside of it. It's just a, another formulate input with the tech with the type of text or excuse me with the type of select um, and so it really standardizes the way uh, the api for inputs and i really enjoyed that what that also allowed them to do was be able to define forms in a essentially in a json object and so you can just provide uh, to a view formulate form you can provide a json object that describes all your fields and boom, you got the entire form. You don't have to write any markup for it. And this is really cool for writing, like, really, really cool for writing uh, generated forms in some kind of, you know, some kind of UI environment. You could just spit out the JSON to your view template and stick it into the view formulate component. And there you go. It builds out the whole form for you. So that's really cool. We actually had Justin Schroeder, the, the creator of view formulate back in, uh, I don't see the date, three months ago, apparently on episode 120. We'll make sure there's a link for that as well if you want to hear more about uh, the development of View Formulate. Oh, yeah, I remember so, that now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. And where can people find you so that they can either learn about what you're doing or follow up on what we've talked about today? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Daniel Kelly underscore IO or on GitHub, Daniel Kelly IO. And or my personal website, uh, danielkelly.io. Hit me up any of those places, and you'll be sure to find links from the awake or for the awake template and all those different places as well. And yeah, if you end up using the awake template, give me a shout out. Let me see what you're building. Um, I really, I'd really love to see what people are using it for so far. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay yeah. and Steve. My pleasure. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can find more of them at viewsonview.com or at devchat.tv. You can find us on Twitter at viewsonview, or you can find myself on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell or Steve at Wonder95. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Adios. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.